Hello, my advanced study of learning colleagues. My name is Joy Wright, and I am here to convince you that the narrativist and culturist way of learning is the absolute best learning theory. We are human beings. We communicate verbally with words. We also communicate non-verbally through pictures and images. However, once we learn to actually put words to those visual images, the thoughts and ideas that we have, we actually begin to think in narrative ways. Quite simply, we actually begin to tell ourselves stories, right? I want you just to take a quick moment and I want you to think about any topic. Let, let's say, for instance, we're talking about the weather. I want you just to pause for a moment and I just want you to think about the weather. And so now I'm, I'm going to ask you, like, what, I want you to reflect on that experience. What came to your mind, right? Maybe in your mind you actually came up with lists of actual words, identifiers of weather conditions, such as sunny, rainy, cloudy, you know, stormy. Or perhaps your mind began to actually display images of those weather patterns, right? Maybe some of you actually began to think about experiences that you have had, feelings and experiences that you've had in a variety of different, maybe perhaps really, really warm weather, um, sunny skies and sunny days, or maybe even, you know, an experience that you had during a bad storm. Maybe. Okay, some of you even actually began an internal debate in your mind about, you know, weather and its importance or its function, good weather versus bad weather. Look, my point is that as we develop our language skills, your mind works and operates by the telling of stories. Think about any relationship that you've had with anyone. Think about feelings that you've had when your mind will begin to think through and it'll tell you stories in story form, you know, what it is that you're even thinking about a particular topic, okay? This is part of our human experience. And again, as soon as we are able to, you know, identify language um, with those, put those words together, um, that that's how our brain actually naturally approaches things. Additionally, as humans, we also learn culture. So I want you to think about how you learn to the languages, language or languages that you speak, right? You pick them up because the people around you spoke that language. You began to notice and identify what these, um, that there were words to identify objects, feelings, and, and, and all of the experiences and things around you, you began to speak in sentence forms. Um, and you weren't really taught specifically all of these languages and these words. You, you weren't, you probably weren't even taught that it was language, right? You just learned it. Well, culture is the same way. Culture is it's not something necessarily that's taught. It's something that is experienced. And the roots of culture run very, very deep. Okay. Um, it's, it's like a way of life. All right. And it greatly influences how we learn. In fact, on pages 47 through 49 in Hammond's book, Culturally Responsive Teaching in the Brain, 
she argues that there are brain rules for learning, if you will. And she says that there are these six principles, if you will, um, that greatly influence how our brain works. One, she says the brain seeks to minimize social threats and maximize opportunities to connect with others in community. Okay. Um, and ultimately what that means is that if, 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 if the student feels somewhat threatened, their brain is not going to necessarily function in an optimal way in order for them to learn. All right. Two, she says positive relationships keep our safety threat detection system in check. Okay. Number three, culture guides how we process information. And so this kind of goes into the, um, the differences in culture versus like in individualist cultures that are more competitive in nature versus collectivist cultures that are more cooperative in nature. Okay, it's just saying how we actually process the information, not whether we can or we don't, right? Because that's going to happen. It's just a matter of how it's processed. The fourth principle, attention drives learning, right? So it says you have to have the attention in order for the learning to occur or take place. Number five, all new information must be coupled with existing funds of knowledge in order to be learned, right? And number six, the brain physically grows through challenge and stretch expanding its ability to do more complex thinking and learning. I'm going to repeat that. The brain physically grows through challenge and stretch, expanding its ability to do more complex thinking and learning, right? So this is the narrativist and culturist um, perspectives in a nutshell. Now, let's take a look because <laughs> some of these people seem to think that behaviorism is really the ultimate learning theory. And I just, we're going to break this down. Why behaviorism is not, okay, an appropriate learning theory. First of all, behaviorism is based on the principle of stimulus and response, okay? So this is on a basic fundamental level, this whole idea that, you know, our animalistic nature. In fact, Thorndike, Watson, and Pavlov, I mean, they actually tested dogs and rats to do, determine their theories. People, we're, we are not talking about trying to teach dogs and rats. We're talking about trying to teach young boys and girls, young ladies and gentlemen of our future. They are human beings, okay? We cannot focus on this behaviorist model of teaching and learning. This is ridiculous. Here's an example. On page 34 of Bates's book, right, talks about B.F. Skinner's policies. Skinner argued that not only did positive reinforcement have a longer lasting effect on behavior than negative reinforcement, but that negative reinforcement could actually be counterproductive. I mean, this is exactly in line with what Hammond is talking about with regard to, you know, culturally responsive teaching. 
you know, she talks about this reptilian region, like the, the, the lizard brain. You basically have this amygdala, right? The amygdala acts as our guard dog, okay? And this is on page 39 of Hammond's book. The amygdala acts as our guard dog, trained to prepare the body for fight, flight, freeze, or appease when anything threatens our physical or social safety. So, you know, this whole idea that negative reinforcement could actually be counterproductive, uh, absolutely, because we're talking about an animalistic nature. You know, if, if we're not really appealing to our human needs, you know, our, our need to communicate and connect with people and our, you know, natural inclination to talk and stories and to commune and, and interact and you're going to negatively reinforce that or, you know, you know, come against that in some negative way and provide negative reinforcement, that is going to completely turn off a kid's ability to learn. So now let's talk about cognitivism, right? Cognitivism, the basic premise of cognitivism, and this is from the Bates book, on page 43. And he basically says the basic premise, okay, is that learning is basically gathering the process, it's basically a process of gathering all the relevant pieces of information together until they can begin to form a complete picture, right? It's almost like this, um, he gives the analogy of a jigsaw, okay? So you have all these individual pieces and you're trying to put them together to look at this big picture. Okay, so I will say this as narrativists and culturists, you know, we we're somewhat in line with the whole cognitivist theories. However, okay, we want to point out, and so I'm going to show you, like, so in Dewey, one of the things that Dewey says is that he's basically saying that you need to make sure that you take into account your learners' interests, um, you know, and you want to make sure that you. Um, show some relevance between, you know, the subject matter and what it's teaching, you know, students in the rest of the world. Um, and again, that comes from page 45 in Bates's book. So it, these things are important, right? But again, I want to say, why is that? Why is it that in order to follow Dewey's approach to learning, that you've got to take these things into consideration. The reason why is because um, culturalists, you know, and narrativists, we, again, we take into account this whole idea of educating humans, okay? We are linguistically and culturally enhanced we speak, we talk in narratives, we tell stories. This is how we learn. This is how we communicate. We make connections and relationships with people around us. The learning must take place within that context, okay? And so, you know, my whole thing with the cognitivist theory and, you know, Vygotsky's zone of proximal development, it's basically just saying that, hey, there's a time when learning becomes ripe, Okay. And, and that time when learning becomes right is when it's culturally responsive, right? And then if it's culturally responsive and that kid is able to, you know, their, their brain is able to grow myelin and it's able to, 
you know, their, their brain is literally able to stretch and grow. Okay. So these cognitive theories, I mean, they're, they're great, but you know, it's almost like underneath the real learning theory, which is the narrativists and the culturists. 